Okay, perfect. All right. So in um, uh, respect to everybody's time right now, we might as well get started. And I think people will kind of jump in as they go. So two things. Good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us for our managing your people and business in our changing reality. I think most of us are realizing that this is changing from day to day, hour to hour. What might happen now may be different tomorrow. Uh, myself, I'm Kelly Phillips. I'm the membership development manager here at TechConnect. And for those of you that do not know or are not familiar with TechConnect, we're an association that's been around for about 38 years. We're focused on being a support community for businesses within the tech industry. Uh, we typically provide face-to-face -face peer group lunch and learn sessions where people have the opportunity to share their best practices and uh, insights and have the opportunity to interact with others who are experiencing similar challenges to yours. You may have noticed that I did say face-to-face. -face. So this is very new territory for everybody. Just on Monday is when we decided, okay, we're gonna start Zoom. And uh, thank you to Maureen and Tara who will be on the panel and Tara who will be moderating for last week. I said to them on Thursday, do you think we could maybe pull something together and had not realized we were gonna be pulling it together so quickly. So thank you very much for all your help in this. Just a couple of things. Right now we have everybody muted. And um, what we will do is I'll just unmute the panelists. I'll have them either unmute themselves or I can unmute them so that we can ask some questions. It makes it a little bit easier. A couple of other things too is we are typically doing things face-to-face. -face. So if you want your video on, you're fine. Just uh, be cognizant of the fact that you are on video. There's a viral video going around right now of a work um, situation where somebody totally forgot and they took themselves into the bathroom. So uh, don't be doing that, but make sure that everybody is, is aware that you are on video if you are. Uh, what we will be doing is on the very, very bottom, you actually have a chat availability. If you have any questions that we have not addressed, what you can do is type your question. I will actually see the question right now and then we'll address that as we go along here. So it's only myself that will see it. If we need more clarification or we'll see how we go along, we may be able to unmute you and have you ask the question yourselves as well. Um, other than that, right now, what I'm going to do is turn it over. Oh, the, the other thing too, is that we are recording the session so that we are able to put it up so that you're aware of that. I just want to make sure that everybody knows, but at this point, we'll try to keep it. We're going to keep it to an hour. I'm going to pass it along to Tara. Please make sure if you do have questions, go ahead and jot them down and feel free to ask myself as well. So at this point, I'm going to mute myself and we'll make sure all of our um, panelists are unmuted. So it's always nice, um, Stephen, to see a friendly face there. So I'll make sure that our panelists, you can unmute yourself as well. And Tara, I'm gonna turn it over to you right now. Excellent, well, thank you so much, Kelly. Can everyone hear me? Kelly, can you hear me? We can hear you. Well, good. Okay, perfect. Um, so good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're very excited to have pulled this together so quickly. Um, I think that we are all in, um, you know, COVID response right now. And so um, really happy to be able to get such a great panel together to share, um, to share some ideas and some thoughts um, that hopefully will help everyone as we navigate these very um, challenging and unprecedented times. Um, so just want to take a quick minute and introduce our panel, first of all. Um, so we have um, Frank Belota. Um, he's a partner at SBLR. Um, he's going to talk to us a little bit about um, ta um, our tax, um, some options around our tax, and some of the stimulus that has, has hopefully um, is being released on a regular basis. We have Maureen Campbell, um, our Group Benefits Insurance Advisor from Flashlight Benefits. Um, Maureen is a board member at TechConnects as well, um, and also um, is, has been really helpful in helping us navigate um, some benefit, um, benefit challenges during this time. Um, Dan Corden, a um, partner at um, Wilson, the 
Vukalic. I apologize um, for that. But um, Dan can, is going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing in, um, in with employees right now, some of our obligations, how um, and how we can deal with our workforce management, which also seems to be um, one of the hottest topics right now as well. Um, and we also have Marian Yoshida joining us um, from Inklot Technologies. Um, she's a VP of Business Development and Account Management um, and a very, very seasoned uh, mental health um, professional. Um, so very excited to, help, um, to have Marian joining us as well. Um, we did have Neil Hunter um, from Deloitte who was supposed to join us, but unfortunately had um, a family emergency that he had to deal with. So um, he wasn't able to join us today, but I'm sure between the rest of the panel, we can, um, we can answer some que any questions you have about re remote work and things like that. Sorry, Tara, I, I will mention that we do have Mark Lejour on the call and okay. any of the remote work um, items, he may actually be able to help us answer as well. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help. Excellent. Thank you. Well, welcome, Mark. Um, so I guess what we'll do is with everyone um, introduced, um, again, thank you all for joining. We'll jump in. I wanted to, um, of course, we wanna answer your questions and that is our main, um, our main goal here today. But I thought we would start off by just asking a couple questions that I think um, is, are on everyone's minds. We definitely um, got a lot of questions submitted to us when people were registering. So just wanted to take an opportunity to start off the conversation. Um, with a question. And I think that, um, Dan, this will probably be one for you. I think Frank you and Maureen possibly um, will have some input as well. But as I mentioned, workforce planning is currently on the top of everyone's mind right now. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at how we can structure our workforces differently. Um, you know, are we, can we terminate? Can we lay off? What is the best, what are the best options? How can we continue to manage uh, um, through the unknown as well? So maybe um, we can start off by talking about what are some of the options that businesses have to downsize their staff, either temporarily or permanently? Okay, then, well, thank you, Tara. Um, yeah, for the last couple of weeks, this is a, a conversation I've been having uh, with many, many clients and really what, what they're deciding upon when it comes time to make adjustments is do they lay off some employees or do they try to keep everyone working but you know reduce comp or reduce hours of work and you know are they allowed to do that are they not allowed to do that with respect to either option you, you have the same question at first. And the first is whether the ability to place, well, with layoffs, there's a contradiction between the, stat, the Employment Standards Act and the common law. The Employment Standards Act is very straightforward. It says you can lay off employees on a temporary basis for up to 13 weeks, and it's not deemed to be a termination. If you're an employer who provides employee benefits and you continue those through the entire layoff period, the length of the layoff can be extended to, you know, uh, not less than to up, uh, up to 34 weeks in a 52 week period and it's still not deemed to be a termination. However, at common law, you have a concept called constructive dismissal. And that's when an employer makes a unilateral change to a fundamental term or condition of employment. Um, and, what and what the common law says, if layoffs or reducing salary or reducing hours of work does not, is not an agreed to term, then you run the risk that the employee, when faced with those uh, decisions or actions from the employer, can quit and bring a claim for wrongful dismissal. So how does an employer show that it's an express term? That would be through the collective, uh, through the employment agreement, if you're non-unionized, collective agreement if you're a unionized employer, and or possibly employee handbooks. So do you have anything that says you may, you have the right to lay employees off on a temporary basis? Do you have the right to change terms or conditions of employment? Um, those kinds of, that kind of language and, you know, outside of manufacturing, very few employers will have language in an employment agreement which talks about layoffs because 
quite honestly, it wasn't really a concern and you put something like that in an agreement, it'll be harder to hire someone. But we're dealing with unusual circumstances now. So if you don't have that, if you have language in your employment agreement that enforceably limits an employee to the, their rights under the ESA in the event of a termination, you could use that to try to argue that they've contracted out of the common law. So therefore, you do have a contractual right to place an employee on a temporary layoff. Alternatively, do you have, with respect to reductions as opposed to layoffs, do you have language in your agreement that says you reserve the right in your sole discretion to amend terms or conditions of employment, including remuneration? If you have that, that could be a basis to argue it was an agreed to term. If you don't have any of those, either in your employment agreement or you know, uh, in your employee handbook, then you have to rely on an implied be it being an implied term. And for it to be an implied term, you have to show that there was a past practice of doing those things. So if you can't sort of check any of those boxes, there is then a risk that you know, this may happen with respect to a constructive dismissal. Now, you would hope in present circumstances, employees choose not to do that, especially if it's just a temporary measure, um, but it can be a risk. What a lot of clients are doing, we talk through these issues, when it comes time to place somebody on a temporary layoff, what they're doing first is to allow them to use any unpaid sick days, if you provide those, or vacation days, if, if they're salaried employees, so it's not, a, it's not vacation pay, it's a vacation days, to, to push back the date when the temporary layoff may happen. The hope is in doing that, now someone will be off work for even a shorter period of time, and therefore it makes the, you know, makes them more likely to accept that. Same thing with extending benefits, even if you don't expect any layoff to go beyond 13 weeks, if you continue the employee benefits, that's, you know, something that may be looked upon uh, positively. So uh, the other thing employers are doing at the start is asking for volunteers. Right. And I know in certain cases that, um, you know, they've gone and said, we, unfortunately, we need to implement temporary layoffs. Is anyone willing to, to, to take one now? And people have, you know, uh, the experience is people are saying, yeah, not all, obviously, but some. So do you start with that? And similarly, with respect to re reductions, if you get the employee to agree up front, then the argument is it's not an, a unilaterally imposed term uh, change, it was agreed to. So that again would take away the ability for the employee to, to claim a constructive dismissal. Unfortunately, some clients already and some in the future will get to the point where, you know, that's not going to cover what's needed. And then employers have to think about, okay, well, what are we going to impose? Is it going to be temporary layoffs? Is it, is it going to be reducing days of work? And what you have to do in that situation, you have to think, can, you know, the nature of these roles, can they operate if, you know, if Dan's only working Monday through Thursday, is it really possible for, for, for Nancy to pick up Dan's tasks on Friday and alternatively for Dan to pick up hers on Monday. So those are all the things you have to sort of, you have to consider and, you know, things are changing every day. Um, you know, the, the last experience we had with this was 2008 with the recession there where widespread uh, measures were needed to be implemented. At that time, most, most of my clients didn't face constructive dismissal claims, but you know, that's not a guarantee that, uh, will be the case here. So I think before anybody rolls out any layoffs or reductions or terminations, and if you're terminating, then you know it's a straightforward termination. There's no reduction in what you would owe to that employee because of the, uh, the circumstances. You, you should probably talk to, to your employment lawyer to work your way through that and help, the, you, know, help, help you with the materials and the process.
Thanks so much, That's super helpful. Um, I think that one thing that, um, another question that we have, um, or that we're, we're seeing is, you know, because this is such a different time now than even back in 2008, circumstances are completely different. Um, from an employee point of view, what is an employee's right if they are being told that they, that they must come into the office um, if, if, in this time? So if everything is being shut down, um, um, you know, if they're being to the office will depend on many things, right? It will depend on has that employer been deemed essential or non-essential? What are the circumstances relating to it? If the employee does not wish to, what's the basis for that? I mean, what you're dealing with in those instances where an employee says they are not going to come in because of uh, health concerns or safety concerns is basically a, a normal work refusal under OSHA. And so the process for that is if going down that road, you would have to review matters with your joint health and safety rep, the employee, the employer, and if a matter can be resolved, then that's fine. If it isn't, then the obligation normally placed on the employer is to contact the Ministry of Labor for an inspector to come in and then looking at all the circumstances to um, determine whether or not there was a basis for the work refusal. You know, for instance, during SARS, there were instances where public-facing employees refused to work unless the employer provided gloves and, uh, and masks. In those cases, then, based on the nature of uh, nature of of the outbreak and the health information, the Ministry of Labor conc concluded, for the most part, that they weren't necessary. So those weren't a proper uh, work refusal. So whether or not an employee can come in will depend on what you know. What is public health saying? For well, whether or not, for instance, you should be operating. Then, what is public health saying? And what is the employer doing on the ground with respect to um, meeting those recommendations or, or mandated uh, requirements? And, you know, that's why you have to sort of watch every day to see what the latest announcements are. Um, Tara, I'm going to jump in here because I'm getting two questions that mm -hmm. kind of relate to what um, Dan has been saying. So one is, can you give an example of um, a volunteer scenario? So if people were to volunteer for temporary layoff, what could maybe the incentive for them be if they volunteered for temporary layoff? So that's the first question. And then the second one is, um, what is the ability for somebody to work part-time while they're on a temporary layoff situation? Well, with respect to the, if they're on temporary layoff and you know, more than a week has passed, you can bring them back, you can have them work on a part-time basis as long as it's less than 40% of what their full-time hours were. And generally what you pay them over those two days uh, would be deducted 50 cents on the dollar from what they get through EI. So, and if, if anyone's considering things like that or a supplemental unemployment benefit plan or the works sharing program, um, which has been around for many years and still exists, you should go to the Service Canada website because they, they explain that process very, very well, tell you what to do. If you are considering the work sharing program, there's an application process that you have to go through. So, but to, to revert back to the EI situation, as, as people may or may not know, the maximum EI benefit is currently $573 a week. And I believe it's about at 54,000 that, um, that the benefit kind of maxes out. So if you're paying people two days a week, you'd have to figure out, well, how much is that? 
if half of it is then reduced from whatever they're making on EI, how does that net out, right? Um, with respect to incentives for people going on temporary layoff, that, you know, there's obviously nothing uh, on that. That would be up to what you think you can offer and what may be accepted beyond just seeing who's in a position to accept it, uh, to allow others to remain working. Okay, Kelly, was there another question? I didn't, didn't unmute. Um, those are the two that I had right now regarding that. Uh, Sam and um, Stephen, does that clarify that for you or do, would you like to ask something? Um, and I can, cause I can unmute you as well. Uh, hold on, I'm going to find you. Sam, okay, Sam saying yes, and Stephen saying yes. Okay, so we're good to go. So Tara, you can. Okay, so I think that, um, you know, we know that there, in many businesses, there are going to be changes, and whether they're temporary um, or permanent, as Dan was discussing, um, you know, I think that we all want to make sure that we are um, supporting our, our employees and our former employees as best we can. So how can we help um, support these employees who are being laid off or terminated, both financially um, and socially and emotionally um, during this time? Um, because there's, there's so much change going on. So maybe I can, um, maybe I'll start off um, with Frank. Maybe we can talk um, a little bit about is there anything um, tax-wise or, or things like that that they can be doing and then maybe Marianne um, can speak to us after that about um, EAP, some EAP or some mental health issues that we can or support that we can give. Thanks Tara. So on the on the tax side I guess it's it's more in terms of what the government's trying to do right now. I think uh, actually they're it's in legislation right now. They're, they're, they're going through the readings. They're trying to pass their, uh, their relief measures that they announced back on the 18th. They're trying to ease up the, the rules for, for applying for, for EI. Certainly um, when it comes to uh, those that um, do contract the, the illness, uh, waiving the one week waiting period. Um, they're also looking at um, a package of some support for those individuals that may not qualify under the current EI rules for sick benefits, maybe they don't have the hours um, to provide some support to them. Uh, it's been suggested that uh, what they call an emergency care benefit of uh, up to $900 biweekly for individuals that don't qualify for EI sick benefits. Um, and it would go for anyone who's an employee or self-employed um, to apply for it or, or individuals, parents that have to stay at home to take care of um, their kids because of school closures and daycare. Uh, these are people that wouldn't qualify under EI. So the government's now trying to pass that, that, um, that pass that, uh, that relief package uh, as we speak. So I don't have the actual details because I'm, as I'm on this webinar, I'm trying to follow the news as we go along. And it seems like they altered what they first announced on the 18th. So there's that. Uh, I mean, the work sharing that was mentioned has been around for a long time. Um, it's it's going to apply in situations like this as well. They're they're specifically uh, amending it so that it does cover off the whole COVID nineteen issue, and they're trying to speed the process on that as well. Um, and I know for for employers, I mean, there is an incentive, uh, a temporary wage subsidy that's being offered to to employers to help the employers uh, that are facing a downturn to to manage uh, payroll to employees where up to 10% of uh, an employee's remuneration up to 13, I think it's 1375 per employee or 25,000 per employer um, is being offered. So those are, those are the types of measures. Uh, I mean, we're, we're big on the work sharing. I mean, just our firm alone, actually, coincidentally, we were talking about it this, this morning, whether we go into some kind of, of work sharing um, as well. That's great. Thanks, Frank. I know that everything is changing so quickly and, um, you know, you'll have a conversation and 10 minutes later, you have to have the same conversation again with, um, with the changes that are coming out. So it's, it's definitely challenging to keep up with, with everything that's going on. Um, 
Marianne, maybe um, you can speak to us a little bit about um, some of the resources that may be available that we could offer to our employees as they're, they're being laid off or as they're exiting um, that might help them transition. Sure, sure. And actually, I'll, I'll give a brief uh, introduction to my myself. And, and I thought I could speak a little bit about, um, you know, kind of some communication and, um, and tips just generally during this time. So um, uh, my, my name is Mary Yoshida, and I have worked in the employee benefit um, area for mental, uh, mental health, specifically EAP for the last almost 30 years. I am a clinician, so I started off as a counselor. I have that, uh, that lens as well. Um, and I currently work for Inkblot, and um, uh, Inkblot offers EAP, but we also offer um, access to uh, mental health uh, support through video. So needless to say, we, we have be, been very, very busy, and I'm happy to talk later about kind of um, how the platform works and what we offer. Generally, um, Tara mentioned earlier about um, the change and the impact of change. So this is an ideal time to really dust off what we know about change management. And this one is a, a very particular, um, a special type of change. Because normally when change happens, there's an event and people need to let go of the past, um, uh, begin to anticipate what is the change going to look like, and they start to move on to sort of a, a new beginning, a new reality. Um, this is not the case for us right now. We are suspended in the middle of the change, which is um, what what uh, William Bridges refers to as a neutral zone, where we don't, it's very fuzzy. We don't know, um, we know we can't go back, but we don't know what the future is going to look like. And so there, um, it's really important for, for leaders, for managers to really be aware of what are some of the things that they can do uh, proactively in the language that they use um, in, in uh, messaging. So some of the things um, that we know from change management literature is that it's so important to communicate, communicate, and over-communicate. Different modalities because people respond to it at different levels. Um, same messaging, slightly different um, you know, wording. Um, you cannot over-communicate. It's important to communicate what is known. Um, and, and be clear on that, even if we think it's basic, um, the, the, some people will, will just not be aware. And so that gives them a sense of um, a sort of uh, security. And, uh, and, and when there are so many things that are unknown, it is important to communicate what is known, even if it's, you know, our mission and our vision and our guiding principles are not changing. That is an important message to, to give. It is equally important to talk and share about what is not known. So not to be afraid and not to keep people kind of waiting until we'll let you know when we know, but to also be overtly communicating. This, these are the things that we currently do not know. And that, that is an important message as well. A um, couple of metaphors that, that I, I will just share in terms of this place for people at it's kind of, um, for, for some of us older folk, it's kind of like, um, you know, when Linus's blanket is in the dryer. Um, also, for a, tra uh, a trapeze is when, the, when the, 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 he's let go of one side, but is not letting go of, of yet the other. So really kind of signifies that people are really in, in, a, in a place of suspension right now. It is an ideal time to elicit input from people because Everyone embraces change differently, and you may not know where some of your best ideas are going to be, and it really is empowering to reach out and elicit ideas. And I think we see this in various forums where, you know, ideas are, are just propping forward, and I would encourage you to tap into that with your teams. Um, and then finally, I would say that, um, actually, there's two things. One I'll, one I'll say is just not to forget the marathon effect. So the marathon effect is about managers and leadership being further ahead in the thinking and the planning than employees. And we can often, and this I would say is one of the number one mistakes that organizations make when going through change. So the marathon effect is based off this um, sort of the, the notion that, you know, uh, day of marathon, everyone shows up, um, hundreds of people are showing up. Uh, those that get up early are at the front of the line. This is management. They're able to anticipate the course. They're getting information about the course. Uh, whereas the people that show up later are relying on feedback from the people ahead of them. They cannot see the course ahead. Um, and so the notion is that uh, the, when the race starts, the 
people who finish actually finish before the people at the end of the line have even started. And this is a metaphor for how people in organizations go through change. So managers speaking from their lens is not necessarily um, going to be understood by employees because we are um, at the front and we've been talking and thinking about this for a while. So again, just something to keep in mind around uh, the marathon effect. And then finally, in terms of the importance of supporting people, through this from an emotional, psychological um, perspective. And the challenge is, is that we don't know and we're missing a lot of the visuals now in terms of who may be struggling. So for many people, they have resiliency, they have coping, and that they can elicit those, those, uh, those strengths during this time and will be okay. But for others, if they're already dealing with an issue that you may not be aware of, or your, your managers may not be aware of, or, um, the, uh, the this this is something that is triggering for them for whatever reason. Uh, it is so important to make available uh, resources, remind them of what's available. For example, if you have an EAP, to remind them um, uh, of that. And I know that we're seeing an influx of adding additional resources that tap into the ability to provide uh, counseling and mental health support virtually. And I think that is, um, is, is really important, recognizing that in-person um, is not always going to be uh, available for them at this moment. So I'm going to stop there because I don't want to take up too much of the time. Okay, Tara, I actually have um, two questions coming in, and I might ask for a little bit more clarification. But one of them is, how and where does WSIB fit for people who are sick while working outside and becoming sick um, due to uh, COVID-19. So, you know what, Prasad, Prasad, do you mind unmuting and maybe I'll get you to ask so that we have some clarification on that? Hi, it's Prasad. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Uh, so the idea here is, you know, um, I have a business that um, that I subscribe to with WSIB because I have a, a people in the field and they're delivering and distributing and, and loading you know, food products, for example. And we're, we've slowed it down or we've almost stopped uh, the delivery process over the last two to three weeks. But my question was simply, you know, are there rules or processes that you guys know about around WSIB? And if they aren't, I have to uh, do the research, that's fine. But if you know anything about how WSIB is addressing these uh, COVID-19 issues, like, I mean, we, we, we can all get sick, you know, just through normal cold or, or cough or, or even fever that has nothing to do with COVID-19. But what ends up happening is that, you know, there's, there's a series of uh, uh, events that have to be, that have to take place. That A, we have to, you know, pre-diagnose, we have to self-isolate, uh, then we have to, you know, call a doctor to say, you know, what's the status of my current sickness, whether that's, you know, COVID-19 related or not, then go to a, uh, a walk-in center to be able to do a, a further test. Where does WSIB fit in, in suggesting that, hey, there's a problem due to a, you know, a field location, which is what I'm paying for. And what does that mean from a, from a, uh, an application perspective and, and and how does that work if if I have to be able to can I take advantage of that is my basically my question on supporting my uh, my employees in the field I hope that makes sense hey Prasad it's Maureen I think part of this may be Dan's to answer <clears throat> but I mean WSIB is meant for workplace injury and illnesses that are created from the workplace so I think one of the challenges you're going to experience is whether it can be demonstrated that in fact the, the illness was due to the workplace or was it not? Um, and that's where, you know, EI steps in as a sick benefit. If you have insurance, then it may be in the insurance. So often an employer has both short-term disability and WSIB because statistically WSIB is about 5% of all disability claims. And that's because, you know, it really has to do with the proof that it's a workplace um, situation that created it. Uh, and I also think that, you know, obviously for you, um, it's about what are you, are these essential services? And if they are, 
Are you protecting the employees in such a way and providing all of the resources and all of the education they need to be safe in the workplace? And I'm certain that WSIB would scrutinize that as well. But uh, again, I don't know if, if Dan can answer with respect to the, the specific, more specifics on WSIB or anybody else in the panel that has more specifics on WSIB. I haven't seen anything really specifically from WSIB currently, but admittedly, I haven't been looking. But what Maureen said is is accurate, right? In order for, even if someone was to be diagnosed with COVID-19, for it to be a, a WSIB claim, it would have to be established that they contacted, they contracted that through work, which you know, isn't the case for, for the majority of people. And then you do have sick leave, which most employers self-insure, and that's not limited to workplace, you know, illnesses or injuries similar to LTD. Prasad, does that? Yes, you... that answers my question. Thank you. Okay, so self-insured means you're covering sick time, but then EI's sick time is the is probably, unless you have a program of short-term disability, that's probably the next bet for someone to be off work, receive compensation, and be in quarantine or at home and getting better. Okay. And then Tara, one more question here, and I'm not certain whether maybe it is a Marianne or Mark question, but Marian touched on it a little bit. How can we prepare our managers to um, effectively manage the workforce from home or manage their teams remotely? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to weigh in. I mean, some of the principles that I, I, I talked about, I think are, are, are key. Um, and, and the challenge is, um, you know, recognizing when someone might be troubled when you don't have the, the visuals. So I would definitely encourage when possible for managers to be scheduling um, Skype calls or video calls so they can get the visual as well. And, um, you know, to be, um, to be checking in. And it's always a fine line because you want managers to ask the right questions to determine if there may be um, a need for additional support versus being too intrusive. So, um, but, but that's kind of one, you know, sort of one, one tip that I, I would give. If I can weigh in just very quickly, um, I, I would, I would uh, emphasize what Marion was been saying into uh, communication and communication and communication. And have to, we have to, uh, to remind ourselves that communication through online means it's possible through technology, but it uh, requires a little bit of extra effort. Some people might uh, not be, um, have a lot of dexterity there and also need extra support, but also some people might feel isolated. So you should be extra mindful of reaching out to your, to your people uh, in, uh, in your organizations, into your direct reports, but also other people through the organizations and make sure you engage them and you stay in touch to provide that uh, social non-distancing, um, virtual, distan virtual non-distancing by uh, working online and still collaborating. Tara, can I chime in that um, just uh, to support um, a lot of what Marion's saying for maybe some of the team or some of the people on the phone? Um, a lot of companies have benefits programs and think of them predominantly, and this isn't a sales pitch, about health and dental and maybe some life insurance or, you know, in Prasad's case, do we have disability coverage, etc. Buried within a lot of the benefits programs you have are resources for employees and for the management team. Um, EAP has been thrown around as a word. It's just the employee assistance program, but a lot of companies call it different things. EAP is a confidential service where employees can call in and ask to be connected with counseling services to deal with life's issues. And that might be budgeting right now. It could be mental health. It could be a workplace problem that's going on. But EAPs will often, um, and most do, offer counseling for managers on managing the workplace and supporting employees. And as I said, a lot of carriers kind of bundle it in as a, not a well-promoted service. Um, so, you know, my first suggestion is 
do you, you know, take a look in your benefits program and see whether you have that component and broadcast that to your team. Secondly, most of the larger insurers have an extensive amount of information on their websites around wellness and health, um, you know, financial support, um, financial calculators. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot around, tell me what my investments are doing. I mean, people are not just Obviously, there's tons of concern going on, but people are also seeing their investments change dramatically, and they think they're supposed to be concerned about, you know, health and keeping everybody safe, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking about where the heck is my RSP going? So, um, and if you don't have that, you know, a plug, if I understand it, maybe, Marion, you can step it up. Your company is offering an ability for employers to join the platform and then if an employee did counseling and they had benefits, they could claim their counseling through their benefit program. Am I thinking about this correctly? Correct. Correct. So we have a, a, a program that, that um, allows, um, allows um, em, employees to access uh, through Inkblot for counseling that is pre-vetted to allow them to easily dovetail and use their paramedical dollars. So we are waiving the, the, the fee for that right now for three months. I mean, to be honest, it's not a lot. Um, I would, for under 100 employers, it's typically $50 a month for this access. Um, um, so I, we, we're waiving that for, for three months. And the benefit of this is not only does it allow people ready access, easy access to locate a counselor, but it also, um, the, the rate is is quite low so we're half the half the national average at 37.50 for a half hour uh, for individual counseling and sessions can be booked 30 minutes 60 minutes or 90 minutes i say like even for 30 minutes once a week or every other day is going to really support employee mental health and then certainly for those that are in crisis they might they might be able to, to use more um, the other benefit for employers is that we will report back to you kind of general usage and um, and also, um, you know, metrics kind of uh, down the road that will support you with uh, not only demonstrating kind of the ROI of your benefit program, but also dovetailing with your mental health strategy. That's fantastic. Thank Tara. you. Tara. Yep. Sorry, Tara, I have a question that has come in and it would be directed at Frank and I think it's very applicable to everybody in these times. So thank you, Tom. Um, our employees are all now working from home. CRA has been very strict and touchy about this. Is this something that we should recommend that employees do? So it's, it's kind of how you write off home offices now. Um. Okay, so that's definitely been a, a big question in the last few weeks. So the, it's all going to come down to what the, the contract of employment was with the employees uh, because CRA will allow, um, will allow a deduction for home office if it's a requirement of the individual's um, employment contract to, to work from home. So we look at uh, uh, we look at situations where if you're gonna if you're gonna ask your 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 staff to to work from home and that's part of their job it should be referenced in the contract um, it should be very clear what it is that they're gonna supply versus what the employer is gonna supply and it should be very clear as to whether you're gonna provide an allowance or not and then there's always the uh, the famous T twenty two hundred where the employer will sign off and say the individual um, incurred those expenses and was required to so that he or she can write them off uh, when they file their taxes. So um, I think right now everybody's just scrambling because I don't think anyone really anticipated to send so many people to work from home. I can tell you right now, our experience at our office, uh, we've got a staff of about 30 and 20, 27 of us are working from home right now. It's not in our contract that they were required to work from home. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a challenge in providing them with any kind of um, for uh, tax form saying that they can write off their home office expense. Now, what we've done in, in order to compensate our, our staff is for anyone that has had to you know, um, increase their, their uh, income, 
internet usage or, or go to a higher package because it doesn't support our cloud-based services, we said that we're going to reimburse them. And we believe that we're in a position that we're going to take that as a business expense because it's they're doing it for us, for our business at this time. So that we think is more plat- uh, um, acceptable than trying to get everyone now to go to uh, a home office. But that's something that we're looking at too. And as things sort of calm down in terms of changing our, our employment contract uh, to a uh, to to address this issue. So hopefully that that answers the question. But you're going to have to go on a case by case basis, really. Tom, does that answer it for you, or did you have? Okay, perfect. I see a thumbs up. Okay, Tara, I'll turn it back over to you. Okay. Um, so as we're, we have about 13 minutes left. Um, I think that one of the things, um, as we're starting to talk about um, working from home, because we have so many people doing it, um, we touched on this briefly, um, but maybe to focus around, you know, how do we keep people productive, engaged, and connected while working from home? Um, you know, not only to people who may be needing some support, but just in general. Um, we're so used to seeing our teams on a daily basis and, and interacting with them. Um, what are some of the um, tips or, or um, creative solutions we can use to, to really keep our people engaged and, and keep that productivity up? Mark, maybe we can, we can go to you for this one. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, the, the first thing is, uh, you know, we, keeping in mind that people are making the transitions from, uh, for many of us, from uh, office work to uh, working in a corner of their home. So first thing is use and abuse of the video conferencing. Make sure you establish that link and help people transition uh, smoothly. Um, don't leave people on, on the corner, maintain that relationship. So that's number one. Um, number two is make use of a lot of uh, collaboration technology that's available out there. There is, um, you know, you probably have uh, licenses in your company to use uh, other the Google Suite, the Microsoft Suite, other kind of collaboration tools that uh, uh, that uh, are available and very uh, very effective. Um, a lot of uh, small businesses are still you know, working on uh, Excel spreadsheets and uh, shared drive and all those things. Maybe it's a good time to start um, a working group into how do we move all these things online and make sure that we all have access to these files from home and we can still operate. So that um, would be uh, something <clears throat> on, on the high line. If you look at, for example, at the office right now, we're using the Microsoft uh, um, teams environment uh, where you can have access to your to your files from SharePoint, have a chat and the video in there. Google is pretty much the same thing with Google Drive, and um, so these tools are extremely easy to use with a very gentle um, introduction. You can get everybody started pretty fast. Um, I would like also maybe as a, as a third tip, there is a lot of uh, information online right now and free information how to get started. Uh, LinkedIn Learning has made available a good dozen of courses, maybe more now, uh, where uh, people can, can learn those skills for free. Um, you have about more than uh, 450 courses from uh, Ivy League colleges. Um, if you just you know Google everybody that is providing some kind of support as probably some COVID-19 update support and advice and tips and tricks you could use. So leverage all those uh, all those uh, support that you can find uh, right now. And these are, would be the three things I would be uh, I would be advising right now, uh, not to take too much of your of your airtime. Um, in uh, sorry, with our our focus on being a collaborative environment where we do get to share, I had Prasad say that they have a couple of things that they're doing within their office. So I'm going to open it up to you, Prasad, and then I do have um, another question in here as well. So Prasad, go ahead. Hi, it's Prasad. Just can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So a couple of things that we're doing. Um, we're a remote company, regardless. But one of the things that we haven't done successfully is be in constant communications with our with our remote team. So one of the things that we've initiated just this week, starting actually, uh, is a daily, you know, like a a quick chat up call. And it's only meant for a half an hour. The first day went for an hour and ten minutes, but you know, it's a start. Uh, and uh, the idea here is. Uh, three things uh, really quick 
how's everybody doing? I know it's a stressful time. You know, we have an opportunity to talk just like what we're doing here today. Uh, what are some of the things that people are doing uh, to cope? What are some of the things that, uh, is there any way that anybody else can help? Uh, even if it's simply to say, hey, you know what, you're, you're looking after these three things, I'll look after this one thing uh, kind of thing. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, personal issues that are going on with you know, my team, but pretty much everybody else as well. And what we allow ourselves to do is uh, talk about you know, some of those good things as well as some of the challenging things that, that are happening with us. Uh, you know, in my case, and uh, I've turned my camera off, thankfully, but, uh, you know, my personal grooming, I haven't shaved in two days. And so, you know, the, the white from my, uh, my beard really, um, you know, uh, 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 enhances the, uh, its view when you look at it on a, on a dark skinned face. So I try to, you know, make sure that uh, there's a little bit of levity, levity involved in the conversation as much as, uh, you know, we're trying to get through some work. That's a really small thing that we're doing. And we're finding that it's, uh, one, not everybody's always on, but when they are on uh, and we try to get everybody involved into the conversation, uh, it has been uh, uh, working out. This is day three. Uh, there's a lot more days to come, but uh, it's one of the few things that we're doing. Uh, at least it's helping us. Thank you. Perfect. And here, here's another question that I have. Um, and I, I think this might be Marion, but I think a lot of us can relate to this. Um, and I know I've talked to a few people who are saying that they're realizing they're spending so much time online, but how do we help our employees in keeping actual work and family balance and staying healthy? So working at home sometimes has us uh, resulting in spending too much time online, which creates kind of physical and maybe emotional ailments. Um, I think sometimes we realize that we haven't eaten our lunch or we haven't stood up and are are glued to our seat for a while. So maybe how, how can we do, how can we help our employees through that? I think he, I think actually just having a discussion with employees and talking about what are people doing, what are some of the strategies, recognizing this is not a normal time, that people can learn from one another and get validation around things that they're using. So the boundaries really start to break down um, in terms of work time, family time, because you've got your kids in the back, you've got things that you need to do. And I think if you're able to, to give permission for that, and this is when managers need to somewhat be clear on what the expectations are about workflow and workload as opposed to when are you doing it. Um, so those are some of the things I'd say. But I, I do think talking about it um, and, and acknowledging it and getting input from the team is, is, is really critical. Yeah, and the, and the one thing I would just add, we, we obviously, like everyone else, have a number of uh, employees working from home now. And the one thing we make a point is having them let us, like, for instance, my, my assistant's working from home. You know, I'm working from home you know, to know what time she's going to break, you know, what time she's going to have lunch. So I make, and, you know, so then obviously during those times, I'm not going to try to reach out to her. And then also I know she's doing it right. As opposed to just continuing to work because you're right. You know, you put your head down and you just soldier through and you forget that, wait a minute, these people who are working with me on, on, on this project or this work, they've been doing the same thing and we don't want that, right? You same thing. You, you don't want them starting before they should. You don't want them staying on after they should, you know, so you can do it that way. You can, you can also monitor too, to make sure you see the usage. And if you see somebody's on far too long, then you think's healthy, then, then you can address it that way as well. Um, there, there were a couple of other things that I saw as well. One, um, well, one, it's the new at 8 p.m. is now when you change from your daytime pajamas to your evening pajamas. So that's uh, <laughs> that's official. But um, one of the other one of the other things is I've seen some people doing now is they're setting aside a coffee time or a lunch time in which now the entire team is coming together and you say, you know, Friday is is lunch. Everybody maybe be creative with what they're making. Show everybody their lunches. Maybe some of their um, um, new recipes or whatever. So you come together kind of a, a, a social time, whether it's online. Um, hey, Kelly. I, oh, 
I just add to that, we've been doing, we, um, we've been seeing a lot of companies doing that as well, um, especially with things like Slack and um, being able to, to create Slack channels. Um, we have one that is strictly for your pets. So introduce us to your new coworkers. Um, and so everyone has their, their pets posted and their pets in funny hats and things like that. And, and it's also just a nice break from, from all the news and all the, the, um, the constant barrage of information that we're getting. It's just kind of nice to be able to do that. Um, we are doing lunches as well. Um, you know, having, we're having coffee meetings and things like that. So just really trying to keep up that interaction with colleagues um, that is a little bit more social because I think a lot of people are missing that social aspect as well. And Tara, if I can just chime in. <clears throat> um, just, I think the flex hours, the flexibility that companies could offer, as Marianne said, it's more about the work productivity and the flow than, than when it gets done. But as a caution, just like good teleconferencing, um, you know, tips. For, if you've got people in different time zones, be cognizant of that. Um, if you've got people who need flexibility, be cognizant of that. And then try to make your communications and maybe your social interactions also work to those schedules. It's nothing worse from someone from BC to say, I got to get up at 630 in the morning to be part of the coffee meeting, you know, and that becomes an issue for them. So just remember that maybe it's okay for a few people to be doing something in the evening as far as a, a touch base so that it accommodates your employees that have either flex hours or that, that maybe they're in another time zone. So I, you know, just, um, you, you don't want them missing all of the opportunities to be interactive and social. Uh, and Frank, um, I see you said that you can actually comment on what you, you're doing at SBLR. Yeah. So what we did is, I mean, we, we, um, we actually started working from home now. It's, it's been almost two weeks because we, um, we took the, the very uh, aggressive move of saying that anyone that was taking the the subway because we had a lot of transit users that we wanted them to work from home. So about two weeks ago, we started this process of moving everyone, uh, over, actually over two weeks ago, moving everyone to home. And we said, just treat it as it would a normal workday. So we know what everyone's schedule was. You get up at the same time, you get dressed to go to work. So everyone's got video. We, we purchased cameras. Everyone took a camera home. Everyone's on. Everyone's dressed, not in their PJs. And uh, some of the things that... Uh, you guys mentioned earlier, we do have, uh, we're broken down into teams. Everyone has a short 15, 30 minute call every morning uh, at some point with their coffee. So it's like having virtual coffee, uh, but you treat it as a work day. So if you get dressed to go to work, you're just going, you know, downstairs to your den, wherever it is. It just, it makes it somewhat feel like you're going to the office and it's worked out well for us right now. Frank, it's Maureen. Can I ask a question? Um, do you have anybody in your team that's dealing with the fact that there's daycare closures and schools are closed and how are they managing that? Because I'm very, I mean, I'm old and my kids are old, so I don't have that issue, but I know there's a lot of people dealing with no more daycare and, um, and, and the kids are home at school. So it's, it's challenging. So are you guys um, seeing that within your group? Um, so we have only a few people that are in that situation. I'm in that situation because I have my three kids at home, but, but my wife's a teacher, so she's at home. So she's taking more care of the kids than I am, but, um, they're, I mean, they're all over the house, right? They're going to pop in. Um, so they know what my schedule is. So some of my breaks now, instead of someone at work, it's, you know, it's not coffee with my kids. It's maybe a glass of juice or something. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's challenging. And I think, what we've done, uh, I know there's two others in my office, um, we've got schedules for the kids. I mean, you have to put the kids on the same kind of um, structure that they would have had they gone back to school. And that's just for their own sanity and their own development and education. So my kids are on a schedule. Um, they know when their breaks are, just the way they would have the recess at school. And that's where we interact. But it's challenging because kids are kids, right? They're going to they're gonna pop in and, and we know and we, we allow for that. Yeah. Anyone else on the call, Kelly, that might put up their hand to say they've got this issue and maybe how they're dealing with it? Because I really think it's um, work from home is great, but life exists at home, right? Families at home. Um, and it's an intrusion. I see it on some of my calls. It's an intrusion to, for someone to have to be in their work environment in their house because life is going on around them. 
Yeah, I know even um, my kids are older. I have my two home from university who expected to be home for a week and um, we're trying to dance around one another and find different places to work. And kind of like Frank said is they've got a schedule and they have classes at certain times. So they've got to get up and, and do that. But I don't know if, is there anybody else out there who's dealing with that? We exert a lot of flexibility with staff. I know we know we know we have to recognize they will be interrupted by their kids for whatever reason. So we just accommodate that, and that's just the, the way we're, we're coping with the the situation right now. Um, so it's totally fine. Um, and uh, I, I would also add, I mean, maybe on another topic, and uh, you know, don't forget to take five ten minute breaks because at at work you would do that. You take a break, you go to the washroom, take coffee, talk to people. And uh, make sure you're not just sitting, you know, eight hours a day or 10 hours a day on your chair, because that might happen. People forget that, that, yeah, it's okay. You can take a break and grab a coffee. That's fine. Um, at this point, it is 1230. And I, I would like to thank our panelists for being on. I would like to thank all of you for taking the time to um, to be on the call with us. Thank you very, very much for Maureen and Tara for pulling this together so quickly. I know we worked over the weekend a little bit on this. Our talks around it have actually been, maybe we'll try to do something again in a few weeks because we know changes will be coming down the road. So stay tuned to that. From a TechConnects perspective, we've had to adapt. We are switching everything to go online right now and uh, we're working with a lot of our facilitators so if you check our website you are very welcome to join right now through april we're trying to open it up to anybody to help businesses out there to join any of the peer groups so we have a sales and marketing um, maureen and tara are going to be running one as well talking a little bit of of employee engagement and how you're working through a remote workforce so at this time, thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Everybody stay um, safe, stay healthy, and stay happy. And we look forward to seeing you in the near future. Take care. Have a great day. Great job. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Miriam. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Frank. We really appreciate it. Thanks, thank you, guys. Mark. Thanks for the invite. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care.